I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is a podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we are sitting down with Representative Mark Ticano from California's 41st District. So grab your timesheet. And let's get civical. I think the greatest challenge for our age, for this generation of, of Americans, is to stand up for liberal democracy yeah. and liberal democratic ideals yeah. against authoritarian uh, impulses. And Xi Jinping has made himself president for life of China. He fears any sort of dissension mm-hmm. uh, within his country. He thinks any dissent is going to weaken them and they're going to lose progress. And so he's really clamping down hard on Hong Kong. Mm. He's going to do the same to Taiwan. Yeah, right. And he would love to flip and weaken American projection of power. And by power, I mean the power of our ideals. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Because we stand up for being able to dissent. I mean, if you go on my, my Facebook page, I have all these trolls who are allowed to say anything they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But Xi Jinping has just banned Winnie the Pooh. Right. 
Well, uh, <laughs> really? Well, yeah, because he's very well, controversial. Well, <laughs> he doesn't because because you know what, many of his critics have made fun of him, mm-hmm. and of course, in a democracy, we don't have a king where you can't, you know, you you're not allowed to make fun of the king, right? Right. Well, Xi Jinping, he's kind of you know you're powerful and you kind of like okay, kings they can really, get a little. You don't take care of yourself. He's kind of looking know. like Winnie the Pooh. We've all been a king, yeah. and so the one of his ways his detractors try to criticize him is wow. like. They were they kind of code talk like Winnie the Pooh. They call him Winnie the Pooh. Mm. So guess what? He's banned Winnie the Pooh in China. No, that's nuts. Well, I mean, we're starting this off with a fun, fun fact. <laughs> so I'm I would never have thought that being chairman of the Veterans Affairs Committee right. would take me into see, but but you see, like providing, making sure that these veterans yeah. have yeah. access to health care. Absolutely. Yeah. There's not a medical center where they're near. They got to fly oh, wow. long distances. So I got to figure out a way so that they don't have to fly nine hours back to Hawaii yeah. to Honolulu right. yeah. to our joint facility there. If we just show them right. that we pay attention to them, yeah. that we're not just suddenly, no, we look bad because we've neglected them and we're just now paying attention now that two island chains have right. left their allegiances. You don't want to be seen as, pan- not you, but the United States doesn't want to be seen as yeah, pandering yeah. to them. Yeah. We have a long history of their um, you know, fighting the Japanese during World War II. Mm-hmm. And bringing about a sense of like liberal democratic values. Right. So our imprint, that's also a big theme for next year, which will be the 75th anniversary of the ending of World War II. Oh, wow. I didn't and you know, that war was a large part, liberal democratic ideals fighting yeah. against absolutism, yep. against tyranny, against imperialist Japan, Nazi Germany, yeah. fascist Italy. We have this imprint on the Japanese constitution all the most liberal and very liberal democratic people went to Japan, wrote that constitution, included a provision on equality of the sexes, which does not even exist in, Ameri- oh, wow. in the American We can't even get that. Right. <laughs> love that. Help? <laughs> yeah. Wow. And these very same people, this the same people kind of wrote the Fair Labor Standards Act. Oh, wow. Right? I mean, the, the same, you know, the New Deal people. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Right. You know. Amazing. Which is a great segue. A great segue. <laughs> okay. You're doing yeah. you're doing so great. That was the best segue into the Fair Labor Standards Act. Let me just say, hey everybody, this is Let's Get Civical. I am Lizzie Stewart. And I am Arden Wallentowski. And today is truly one of the most special days in our podcast life. We have Congressman Mark Takano from California. He is the chairman of the Veterans Affairs Committee. He is a former teacher. And he is self-proclaimed, not self-proclaimed, but he's <laughs> the first Gaysian of Congress, which is a cute word for gay Asian. <laughs> we love that. We love Welcome, that. Congressman. How are you? Actually, uh, former Congressman, now governor of Colorado, Jared Polis, probably was the first to officially call me that. He says, oh, that's okay. Oh, to, oh, let's quote, I'm going to yeah. call you a Gaysian. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. And I said, that's fine. And, uh, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. I'm cool with it. Yeah. Hashtag um, Gaysian. It is yeah. the fir- you are the first person who's ever said that to me. I've never heard that before. Gaysian. Yeah. I think that's great. I think yeah. I should catch on. It's tr- hashtag Gaysian. Guys, tweet at us. <laughs> and I always joke around to say that I'm working on a book in progress called Memoirs of a Gaysian in Congress. Oh my God. Uh-huh. Oh my God. We love that. That's so good. If you <laughs> need a ghostwriter, I'm happy to <laughs> We so will. Amazing. Guys, look out for this book because I'm so <laughs> excited. You need a good title. I'm all about titles. Really? I feel that's one of my biggest things on this podcast is like, document titles, building names, they're just kind of boring most of the time. <laughs> and they just basically say what the thing does, which is cute. I get it. I understand. But to like memoirs of a Gaysian, 
Yeah. Genius. Yeah. <laughs> we simply love. <laughs> but today we're going to talk about the Fair Labor Standards Act and the Overtime Pay Act, the Restoring the Overtime Pay Act that you are yes. currently yes. working on, which are two really important things that I feel like I, somebody who I would describe myself as a well-informed, intelligent person who's like keeping up. I've never heard about this. Yes. Which is crazy because it's, it's literally it, about if we're getting paid or not. Yeah. So overtime, overtime pay kind of seems, I mean, I don't know. People understand minimum wage. Right. Right. Yeah, right. But overtime pay is a little more complicated. But I think the thing I want to do accomplish on this, this podcast yeah, yeah. is the idea that I want people to begin to understand how the two are linked. Yeah. yeah. How overtime pay helps support or actually keeps solid the idea of a minimum wage that the minimum right. wage is really hard to establish it's hard to get it people to it's hard to get the government to raise it there's always arguments against it but once we get it we have to understand that actually to protect the minimum wage we need strong overtime mm-hmm. protections as well mm-hmm. right. and the fair labor standard act when it was established roosevelt and francis perkins as labor secretary had a Deep understanding of how business interests, uh, and not all business people are bad. A lot of business people have good intentions, but unless everybody is playing by the same rules, good business people cannot survive in the market because they are undermined by unfair competition. Mm-hmm. Right. And people who break the rules, or when there are no rules, they just will go to the lowest common denominator. Right. So the idea of a minimum wage, by the way, was consistently attacked by a very conservative Supreme Court. So I know that many of your listeners may be like in despair over our Supreme Court. But I want to just also give people hope to know that with the right person in the White House, with the political branches in the right hands, that that, that, that's what happened with with Roosevelt in the midst of fighting the, the Depression, that Roosevelt, when he became president and a strongly Democratic Congress, they were able to even push back against a court that mm. wanted to undermine what they were doing. Right, right. So, Very aggressively. Yeah. So let's get to the, the minimum wage. So the Fair Labor Standards Act establishes the ability of Congress, the federal government, to set a federal minimum wage. And of mm-hmm. course, the states can exceed that. Right. But there was also, you know, the way you get around a minimum wage is to say, you're now a manager, you're now an executive. Mm. And therefore, we can require of you to work more than 40 hours a week and not get paid for it, mm-hmm. right? right? And the assumption is, is that as an executive, you're going to be paid significantly more money. Right. And therefore, you know, the minimum wage, you should be exempted we from the minimum wage. We want more from you then, yeah. Right? So along with, the, along, with, along with this idea of exemptions is you have to have a duties test. Mm. And that's a whole other separate issue, which... I don't want to spend too much time on, but you can see how, you know, you'd want to be able to distinguish, well, what makes a manager a manager, an executive an executive? Obviously, you'd have to have different kinds of duties. You wouldn't, you couldn't just call someone a manager. And this happens, say, at a fast food restaurant where someone who's in charge of managing that fast food restaurant, who's, who's a manager... They have a. They don't have enough employees, or whatever, and they end up actually working the cash register. They have to let all of their wage employees go home, and they're actually 
mopping the floors in the right. bathroom. Doing they're actually wage work. they're actually doing wage work. Right. Yeah. And these managers don't make a whole lot of money necessarily, but they could end up working, you know, 50, 60 hours a week yeah. and not being actually paid that because they're called a manager. Right. So I think these kind of examples kind of make clear yeah. what's, at, what's at stake here. Absolutely. So yeah. here's the thing. The way that the FSLA is, not the F, I always get that wrong, the Fair Labor, not FSLA, FLSA. The, FL, FLSA. The acronym's really. The Fair Labor Standards <laughs> Act. Fair Labor Standards How it's Act. structured is that they set up a duties test. They also set up a salary threshold. So the the higher the salary threshold, the more the more salaried workers are eligible for overtime pay, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're making twenty five thousand dollars a year as a minimum salary mm-hmm. per year, uh, what the law says is that that's the threshold you're able to that you are protected by the overtime pay law right. and that you must, the, the employer, if they keep you more than uh, 40 hours a week, they have to pay you time and a half. Right. Just before this new implementation of a new salary threshold by the Trump administration, the salary threshold was set at $23,000 a year. Wow. That's not a lot of money. Mm-mm. Which means it's really impactful and important for the people who are at that level to make their overtime pay. That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Because that's how they will make, make their living. money. Yeah. That's yeah. right. So about, so what does that mean? About seven, per, so we're talking about, so there's wage workers mm-hmm. and salaried workers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at $23,000 a year, about 7%, 7 to 8% of the salaried workforce is protected. Mm-hmm. So back in 1975, I want you to know the salary threshold was set at a, at a level that protected 60%. Wow. That's crazy. Right? So in 1975, <laughs> if you were a salaried worker, you had a 60% chance of being protected by the law. So six out of 10 wow. people mm-hmm. were earning overtime pay or had a right to earn overtime pay. Wow. And if you don't get, if you, if, uh, and if the employer doesn't want to pay that, they let you go home. And that means more time with your family. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. With your kids. Or it means you can get a second job. Right. right, exactly. And earn more money, right? Rather than being forced to work another 10, 20 hours uncompensated. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Because that's so, what it is. It's uncompensation. <clears throat> right. Like there's okay. no way you're getting paid for it. So the protection has atrophied from 1975 to today. We go from 60% are protected to 7% are protected. Wow. Okay? So. <laughs> What President Obama and his labor secretary tried to do during his eight years, and they actually did it, but too late in his term, too late in the second term, mm. is that they attempted to protect closer to, I think, 30%. 30%. They couldn't get to 60 because uh, in order to get to 60, they would have had to raise the salary threshold to close to $58,000. Oh, wow. So we go. Well, you'd have to go from 23 to like 58,000. Right, that's a big and, jump. And, th- and this is in 20, 2020, the year, mm-hmm. by the year 2020. That's quite a jump, mm-hmm. too much of a shock. So he opted to go for an overtime pay rule that would reach 51,000. And that would more than double. Yeah. We, go, we would go from 7 to 8% to like 30%, right? That's a big, that's that's a a big, big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, unfortunately what happened is... There was an election. Trump wins the election. 
or he won the electoral college, let's put it that way. Yep. And his labor secretary took over. There was a lawsuit in a very conservative sort of jurisdiction in Texas, which had overturned the Obama rule. It's my home state. <laughs> God bless it. <laughs> really well, wish you would stop messing around. <laughs> well, Texas actually is the hope for our future. I mean- oh. Why do you say that? Well, because uh, we, I love it. Why do you the say Democrats, that? I think, netted two additional congressional districts. True. Lizzie, Lizzie Fletcher and um, Colin Allred won uh, against Republicans. And we had several other people come really close. Yeah. yeah. And the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee is actually contesting more seats. We've got Gina Ortiz Jones. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a better work almost. Uh, I know. Yeah. To, yeah, that was very so, exciting. There's even talk that Texas may become a purple state. Yeah. yeah. And if Texas's electoral college votes it's big. start becoming to be possibly for Democrats to win, yep. it's going to change the political landscape of our country. All right. it's, it, so Texas is a progressive hope. And actually, I can remember when my own congressional district was like Texas. It was mm. kind of like mm. there is going to be a moment of reckoning when the Latino vote awakes mm-hmm. yeah. and this president has done everything he can to insult and denigrate very good hard-working people in our right. country yeah. and he may have awakened the state of texas to become a progressive state so don't the live, <laughs> Look, don't live in Lizzie. you're giving me hope i'm smiling no you can't see that i'm beaming i want this i want this for texas i do love we it. all want it for texas we all want texas if you're listening we love you uh, you can do this and then there's a new meaning don't mess with texas don't mess with yeah. texas yeah. i love it you heard it here first <laughs> anyway so back but yeah, back to, the to conservative court back case. to what happened yeah. in texas yes. the court invalidated the rule and said that the labor secretary did not have the authority to do this to actually to set the, the thresholds, the, the, the thresholds for the salaried workers to give them the right, uh, to set the right at which they would have, the level at which they would have the right to earn overtime pay. The new labor secretary was half, half okay, but mostly bad, mm-hmm. Secretary Acosta. Mm-hmm. He said he went to court, he didn't appeal the decision, and rest- if he was a good labor secretary, he would have appealed, he would have appealed the yes. decision fully and said, the rule is good. I'm cool with it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Let's at least get half of our salaried workforce protected. Right. right. As compared to the 1975 levels. Right. We've let this law, we've let the rule atrophy. Okay. And if he would have followed Donald Trump's pronouncements in Donald Trump's inauguration speech where he said he was going to help ordinary remember that line? yeah 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 he mm-hmm. said i'm yeah. gonna i'm gonna help i'm gonna drain the swamp help yeah. or, or ordinary working people all right ordinary working people to me are people who need protections mm-hmm. yeah for overtime pay and he could have he could have for millions of people increased their uh, their their ability to earn more pay right by by at least keeping the obama rule but maybe who knows this president doesn't he wants to undo everything Obama did, or there's some strange complex going on with him? <laughs> they don't do that. So, well, so what Acosta says, he says, no court, you know, federal district court, you're wrong. Um, I do have the authority, so he fought for that. But he says, but I'm going to use my authority in a less effective way. I'm going to only protect 14 percent or 15 percent of the workforce, not 30. So yeah, because that's ridiculous. Right. Right. So 30? the Obama the Obama rule would have protected 
like 100% more right. than Trump did. Mm-hmm. Trump only wants to do like, you know, you know, 25%. Right. And so that's my beef. I my bill, yeah. My bill basically would equal what Obama did. Mm-hmm. Would say, let's go with what Obama tried to do in his rule. Right. Let's make it possible for us to not go 30, 40 years without raising the threshold. Let's so we don't shock the system by going from like twenty three thousand dollars a year of of a salary to fifty eight thousand. Let's kind of gradually, every so often, yeah, raise the threshold. Yeah. So we can keep it at sixty percent of our salaried workforce is protected. Look, so people think that that technology is the main reason why there's this disparity in salaries. So that's what a lot of people will argue. Mm. But there's a strong argument to be made that income inequality has been becoming a problem in our country because we fail to enforce very basic pieces of law, right? such as the Fair Labor Standards Act. Yeah. We've mm. just not been enforcing it. Yeah. And so it's great that we're, it's great that, that we're moving toward, a, I mean, hopefully moving toward a minimum wage. Congress, this Congress. Yeah, they passed 15 an hour, right? We did. Yeah, we did. you guys, we thank, did. You. thank you. We did. <laughs> and Majority Leader McConnell is not allowing a vote on it. That yep. is so unlike him. Are you shocked? He <laughs> just is always shocked? voting. Uh, what is he doing? Uh, he just never stops voting. Honestly. <laughs> Hope he's well. He just... <laughs> Won't bring it to a vote. He doesn't want to bring it to a vote. It's so interesting. Yeah. It's a top like a vulture, you know, yeah. waiting for things to die. It's a great Im- yeah. that's a great image. I see him. Wow. There he is. Yeah, so it's it's so it the fifteen minimum wage is actually it's not law yet. It's not law yet. No. It's, it's law in some states. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it'd be great if New York, we yeah. if we made it across the country. Right, because yeah. seven twenty five is insane. No, it's insane. That's Even fifteen dollars an hour is not a livable wage. Right. No. Right. Parts. And people right. are having to live off of seven twenty-five and a handful of states. A handful of states. Fifteen dollars an hour would have, you know, when they first started talking about it ten, fifteen years ago, fifteen dollars an hour could have possibly been yes a livable wage then. But yes. now we're at a time just keeping up with inflation. It's. I mean, it would be a minimum wage. Isn't like thirty bucks would be. Like a, a minimum wage that would be like, according to inflation, like a livable wage. So talking about a living wage in some quarters is the object of derision. Mm-hmm. And we become like silly, stupid liberals for advocating for a higher minimum wage <laughs> because they say it's going to ruin the economy. You know, you're going to like ruin the economy. And the same thing was said of President Roosevelt. Mm. Like, yeah. You know. You know, trying to get a minimum wage of like eleven cents an hour back in the day when executives were making a thousand dollars a day. Right. Right. I mean, yeah. It's like it says, "Don't." He, what he basically said is, "Don't tell me that <laughs> raising the minimum wage to eleven cents an hour in our country is going right. to ruin the country and ruin our economy." I mean, he knew that pro- the par- the problem with the depression was a problem of demand mm-hmm. and a pro- right. economic demand. Mm-hmm. Yep. That you needed to get more money in the hands of millions of people because more money in the hands of millions of people would have meant they spent it and that was going to be about raising demand and that right. was going to be the recovery that the nation, you know, the right. National Recovery Act. That's what President knew that he had to get demand happening. Yep. And, you know, the problem is not any different today. We need to find ways yep. 
structurally so that ordinary Americans have more buying power and they get more buying power when they have more earning power. Yeah. So they're more likely to spend it. They're more likely to spend it. And hopefully, you know, we structure it in good ways that people will spend it on education. Yep. Yeah. The smarter workforce always pays off big time for our country. Yeah. So here's the point I want to make. I mean, right now we've got a battle going on in Detroit. Yeah. Over the chief executive there who's making 22, I don't know, 21, 22 million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And minimum wage. <laughs> no, <yeah. laughs> can we raise can we wait can we um raise it to 21 million a year? While I have you here, do you mind pitching that? <laughs> yeah, well, uh you know, Let's give it a go. <laughs> I, you know, I think I wish, you know, nobody says, you know, if we could, we could turn it around instead of saying raising the minimum wage is the ruin of our economy. There's something ruinous about exorbitant, you know, salaries and compensation packages right. like yeah. that. Yep. Because part of the glue that holds us together as a nation is a sense of like fairness. Also a sense, you know, there is a sense that you want to be able to be successful and that right. but is it that is it really realistic for everyone to think, oh, everyone can be a CEO, or is it more realistic to say to Americans the, what it mean, the American dream is really about if you work hard, play right. by the rules, everybody can live well. Right. Yeah. Yes. Right. People are just trying to like live a good quality of life. Right. I think. And I think that's what's insane to me about people who fight against these sort of things, because it's literally saying we don't believe that you should live a good quality of life. Right. Yeah. That's all people want. <laughs> I, I remember there was a there was a, a moment I had with like part of what I did is I as a teacher, I was a teacher for 20 Four years as a public school teacher, I had a moment, uh, a, a period of time where I was teaching mostly kids that were struggling mm. and they were behind. And, you know, I told them the story of my grandfather's immigration here. He was very poor. He came here in 1916 at the age of 18. Wow. He couldn't buy property because there were alien land laws, which mm-hmm. forbade real property from being owned by uh, Asian immigrants. Asian immigrants couldn't naturalize. There was no pathway for citizenship for them. And they even couldn't marry anyone who they wanted. I mean, uh, there were anti-miscegenation laws, which prohibited marriage between the races. Mm -hmm. And so at a certain point, even marrying my American-born grandmother would have been illegal. Well, it wouldn't have been illegal. What would have happened is that if she married him, she would have lost her citizenship. Her American citizenship? citizenship. So so actually, actually, you two, okay, this applied to all women, by the way. Oh, great. Before 1921. They would just take away our citizenship. (laughs) They could. Of course they could. Birth citizenship was unstable. Birth citizenship was unstable. People don't realize this, but. No, no. Even, so if you're an American born woman, regardless of your race, Mm. you can be a white woman, you married a German citizen, guess what citizenship you became? German. 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 Absolutely not. Your citizenship status was dependent on the citizenship of your husband. You didn't have Ooh. the right to vote in those days prior right. to 1920. Right. Yeah. So even though the Constitution gave birthright citizenship to people who were born here, it was right. citizenship, that stability of that citizenship depended on your gender. So for my grandmother, she would have lost her citizenship. That didn't get this resolved until 1931. So anyway, he, he gets enough money by the, in, in the late 1930s to buy some property in Washington State. And they buy property in the name of my grandmother because she was a citizenship. She was a citizen. He wasn't. Uh, five greenhouses where they grow produce 
you know, tomatoes and strawberries for the Pikes Market, mm. you know, where they throw the fish. And, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but then they get, the, World War II, Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor, they're put into internment camps. Mm. They can't work their greenhouses. And they would lose the property because they couldn't pay taxes on the, the, the you know, they couldn't work the property. To, so they couldn't make money on it. They couldn't it. make money yeah. on all that. So I tell this story to my kids, you know, and we're all kind of crying together. Literally, mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're, and it's like I kind of talk about how hard it was for my grandfather, these yeah. setbacks and all that. And then one of them, I just remember, one of them raised her hand and started to share. And she said, she said, well, there was this lady. She immigrated from Mexico. And she basically told us, you know, the story about the hardships that she faced. Mm. But she says, now this lady owns a house. And it put it all in perspective to me. It's like a better life for a lot of people is just to own their own home. Right. Mm-hmm. Or to have stability. A stability. Yeah. Like right? st- stability so, should be aspirational. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And to talk about a living wage is something that's going to ruin the economy. I mean, that's absurd. That's absurd. It's absurd. Right. So it's More like, I'm far from a socialist. I don't, I don't, you know, as, as far as socialists can mean a lot of things, yeah. right. but I, I, I believe in an economy that has rules yep. for competition yep. and the Fair Labor Standards Act says that we can't lower our standards to inhumane levels. That to live in America means that having a job means you get paid a certain amount. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you're guaranteed that. And you're guaranteed that. Yeah. We expect you to work. Mm-hmm. We expect you to contribute. Yep. Working is part of your contribution to mm-hmm. our economy. In exchange for that, there's you know a whole lot of things you get. Mm. But you know we still want to be a country where other people want to come because life is fair here. We play by the rules. Yeah. There's yeah. rule of law. There's there, flexibility. There's you a, can become you know. If, there's social mobility. Yeah. yeah. Social mobility, economic mobility. Yep. Is another I think part of our vocabulary is like that's. That's what the American dream is about, is yeah. that social mobility, yeah. that economic mobility, yeah. and the feeling that you also are respected no matter where you come from, you know, what national origin, what religion you practice, yeah. that America is a place where you get a fair shot. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you believe Amen. it? Preach. Um all right, I know um, we're going to have to let you go. So oh, I just want to, I know, we're having I so just, much fun. I know, we're going to start you over hours. You just, you just wound me up. I know. <laughs> I'm like ready to flip the table over. <laughs> um, I do want to just quickly ask where this bill is at in its progress right now. What can we expect if we're watching for it? Like, where well, it's at in Well, interesting life? enough, <laughs> I'm trying to get all the progressive Democrats to sign on to the bill. Can we oh, call wow. them? Somebody get them yes, on the phone. tell them. <laughs> tell them. Tell them it's Lizzie. <laughs> They'll know who, who it is. You know, uh, even some of my progressive Democratic liberal colleagues are yeah. like, you know, you would think, no brainer, sign yeah, the right. bill. So get onto the bill. I've got to get a lot of, I, I can't remember, uh, on my committee, uh, education and labor, where this bill is at. Mm-hmm. The chairman wants me to get a lot more signatories than I have now. Okay. So, before he'll move it out of committee. Right. Because- you know, we got some Democrats that are, you know, a little scared about setting the minimum salaries or the salary threshold too high. You set it too high, people are, they're going to complain. There's all sorts of arguments about. Right. Go back. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, small businesses. And, yeah. we, and there's, there's, there's some provisions for carve outs for small businesses mm-hmm. in this legislation. But, you know, my argument is that, as I said, 
it's not enough to just have minimum wage laws. Mm-hmm. They really are linked inextricably yeah. to adequate thresholds for overtime pay. Yeah. So you need strong overtime pay thresholds to protect salaried workers from, from, from you, you need to protect workers from the trick of saying, okay, you're no longer a wage earner, you're now a salaried worker. And because you're a salaried worker, you work overtime, you, 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 you work overtime for no pay. Right. Right. So that's why it's, a, it's, they come together. They work hand in hand. Yep. So where it stands now is I need 40 or 50 Ballpark, 40 or 50. Members, members of Congress to actually co-sign the bill. Great. Oh, well. So that's where it is. Great. We're going to get the 40 or 50. Yes, we are. That's <laughs> what we're going to do. We're yes, going to we make are. some calls. Producer Kate, get me, give me a phone. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is that uh, John Oliver w- would do that with his audience. You know, it would be would, like, call, yeah. He yeah. would say, you know, there was a whole thing about, I can't use the word on on. Well, podcast is not under the FCC. You can say whatever you want, but, oh, Honey, we can say whatever <laughs> we want. But go check out the scene, Chicken Effers. Oh, sure. Oh. Joyce says yes. Chicken Effers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's funny. My colleague, Marcy Captor, is like the star of that. That's her is hometown congresswoman. She's my she's, hometown congresswoman. We're a big okay, fan of Marcy. My first Marcy. political you, experience was in her district office in Toledo. Okay. It's so funny because <laughs> I, I got to the floor of the house. There was a fantastic thing. You were on John Oliver last night. And I said... Uh, you've got to put that on your YouTube or not on your on your Facebook page, and you know you were the star, you were the hero for all these small farmers that were being cheated out by the big guys because of an appropriations language which you know doesn't protect their freedom of speech. Right. And and she goes, oh, I heard they use bad language. It's <laughs> 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 just so oh, like no. she's so. But she's but what John Oliver did is he says, what's wrong with these people? They must like the you know what the chickens and. <laughs> Get on the phone and tell your congressman yeah. and congresswoman. That's yeah. so great. Well, we will tell our listeners right now if this is something that you feel is important to you, which I think it probably is. Support the Mark Takano Overtime Payout. Great. Thank we you. love it. Thank oh you. Oh my gosh, this is such a great thing to end so on. Great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It, this Thank has you. been so much fun to talk Thank about. You fair labor yeah (laughs) which is crazy yeah listeners we love you so so much and we will see you next wednesday goodbye